Welcome to the Sunflower Conversations, where we explore the hidden disability sunflower and its role in supporting people with hidden disabilities. Welcome to the Sunflower Conversations. I'm Chantal and joining me today is my colleague, Sandy, who is based in Australia. How are you doing, Sandy? Good, good. It's e almost evening here. Nice to see you, Chantal. And joining us is Beck Street. Uh, Beck works for Autism Spectrum Australia as a sunflower advocate and is based in Sydney. Since joining the charity seven months ago, Beck has discovered that she has many traits that sit on the autistic spectrum. Hi, Beck. Thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Chantel. Uh, thanks for having me, Sandy and Chantel. I'm delighted to be here chatting with you today. I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into it. When did you start to associate some of your behaviours as neurodiverse? Ever since I was a kid, like, <laughs> so it's, it's been a while running, really. Um, I, I remember having these moments where I literally thought I was an alien and I'd kind of stand in the playground and I'd, I'd observe the other kids and I kind of like, as though I wasn't a kid myself. And I remember watching them as well in the playground so I could copy some of the things that they were doing or saying, that kind of like I would imagine myself as a secret spy. Did that scare you in any way or were you just like, well, okay, I'm going to see how I can adjust this? Well, I mean, you only really have yourself as a point of reference, especially at that age. It's uh, You're not... Um, asking such sophisticated questions to other people around you. Yeah. So I suppose I assumed that everybody did a similar thing. And mm. honestly, I think it's fairly common to the human experience in general. We all tend to have this experience of feeling like maybe we don't necessarily fit in at times. So I imagine it was just a little bit exaggerated for me. So how old do you think you were then in, in the playground? Probably, I remember feelings like this from as young as five, yeah. Yeah, that's very young. I felt it as an adult in um, work situations with people um, that I don't know. Sometimes we, I think we, I don't know if you've heard the expression imposter syndrome. I think um, lots of people experience that. Um, but yeah, it's a really... Um, great way of describing how you felt as a child so you are seeking an official diagnosis of autism why have you decided to do that now I'm professionally and personally curious about it after starting working at um, Aspect so basically what happened is that for my interview I did a bunch of research about autism and I did a few tests and I of course got uh, A plus marks so <laughs> Um, and I thought, okay, that's interesting. And I suppose at the time I wasn't quite yet ready to accept that that might be the case. So I kind of gave everybody, and I, I, I suppose I felt a little bit like a fraud as well, like perhaps I'm applying this to myself because it makes sense in the context of this job. And that feeling didn't go away very quickly either. But essentially what happened is I gave everyone a shy heads up, like, because Sandy was there I might be on the spectrum let's see what happens and then I kind of left it for a while but meanwhile whilst I was learning all of the amazing things from the autism friendly team and just interacting with the staff around me I was very much relating to everything that was being said and I was kind of going through this process quite quietly and privately what happened was that we had our first in-person staff day after COVID and one of my co-workers drove me home and they said to me, Beck, I just loved watching you become more and more autistic. 
as the day went on and I was like okay yeah <laughs> that's you asked them to explain themselves uh no because I was like a little bit it was a lot to take in you know um so I just went quiet for a bit I went okay and then <laughs> but essentially what they were referring to is that I basically I unmasked during the day because there was that culture of inclusion present where for example some of the other people in the team that are also autistic were sitting on the floor during a staff meeting, which is just like, you know, absolutely unheard of in the typical corporate environment, right? Yeah, and yeah. I thought, that looks really nice. I'm feeling it's been a long day at the office. I've used a lot of my social battery. Maybe I'll just try and sit on the floor with them. And it felt very, like, almost a little bit confronting, but they were just like, yeah, come down here to the floor. Welcome. And I sat down. I was like, guys, this feels good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they explained to me it was because of the hard pressure of the floor that was sort of like balancing out my sensory needs. I was like, okay. So what this person had meant is that I, I gradually let that mask off as the day went on. And um, essentially they gave me a quiz to do at home, which was very comprehensive. It had about 100 questions and I, I scored very highly on that as well. So it was at that point. Um, that they suggested I see a professional that they know. And so I'm in the process of that now getting the diagnosis. You said you had done a few tests before you went along for your interview. Did you find those tests on the internet or how did you come across those? Yeah, I just Googled it, autism test. The test that your colleagues gave you, of the 100 questions, was that a lot more detailed than what you'd found on the internet? It was. It was really specific and I liked it because it felt... It's because I have that imposter syndrome that you mentioned earlier. I really liked this quiz because it felt hard to fake. Um, yeah. There were lots of really specific questions and I was just like, oh, 100%, that's me. Yeah. And so it was, it was quite a fascinating experience. Well, that's amazing. Um, Chantel had mentioned that you've been working in your new role for about seven months. So now that you've, you know, discovered this about yourself even more authentically, do you feel different about yourself and do others feel different as well? I mean, do you, do you sense a, a difference now? Well, I wouldn't say that I feel differently about myself. I've always known that something was a bit different about me. If anything, now I feel more proud and excited to be my authentic self. So I suppose it's a positive change. Definitely. I think the whole process working in such an inclusive environment where like most of the team is neurodivergent it feels like a kind of coming home to myself rather than a crisis of some Mm. kind so I think sometimes people associate getting a diagnosis with like negative feelings and and maybe you know a a bit of a, a crisis mode but for me it's actually definitely been um this process of greater self-awareness and self-compassion almost like a coming home to myself which is that feeling of like this is where I belong this is me this is my comfort zone yeah it must be a really um, powerful feeling actually do you feel like it's improved your confidence yeah absolutely it's really helped me grow as a person I feel very lucky to have landed in this role um can you explain masking to me please Beck? yes 
So I would describe masking myself. It's different for everybody, but I would describe it myself as award-winning acting. So essentially what I'm doing when I'm masking is I'm, I'm playing the roles that society has ex- is expecting of me, especially around things such as social niceties. You know, over the years I've become pretty adept at knowing what a person wants out of me and I tend to mirror that. It's a safety mechanism. But what that person doesn't see is that, you know, there's a whole process behind me getting to this conversation, which is something that I thought everybody did until recently. My boyfriend was like, do you always think like that? And I was like, mm, pretty much, um, which, <laughs> which is scripting conversations in my head a lot of the time in the shower, like a movie beforehand. I'll imagine what the, like exactly word for word sometimes how the conversation might go and visualise that and I have a particular outcome in mind. So it's, it's all part of blending in, I guess. And what they also don't see is the burnout afterwards and the time spent in bed underneath the weighted blanket. Essentially, like, the less masking I have to do, the, the better it is for me. Yeah, So and that, that's a physical exhaustion and a mental exhaustion, is it? Yeah, absolutely. They're very much interconnected for me. Because I know that you spend a lot of time with, Emma as well. And when I was doing an assessment with Emma here in Melbourne, she'd mentioned um, the spoon theory. Yeah. So that's a really popular analogy. Essentially, the idea is people with a hidden, with a disability or a hidden disability have a limited amount of spoons that they use every day. And the idea came from a lady and her friend in a cafe and they were sitting down and the friend was disappointed at her because she'd sort of flaked a few social events recently. The friend said, okay, I'll find a way to explain this to you. And she went around the uh, cafe and picked up all the spoons and handed them to her friend. There were 20 spoons. And she said, imagine each activity you did today costs a certain amount of spoons. So, you know, pick up the kids from school, it's free spoons, etc." And what the friend did was divvy out all of the spoons and then got to the afternoon of the theoretical day and went, well, I've, what do I do now? I've run out of spoons. That's a really practical way to help explain to other people that don't experience that energy loss what it might be like for you. So it's something we use at work all the time. That's all linked to masking. So the less masking you have to do, then the more energy as you mentioned, you, you feel more um, energised and, and, and less depleted. Yes. And does masking occur everywhere? So when you go to the supermarket, are you masking there? Yeah, absolutely. So for example, I recently went out with my boyfriend. I felt a lot better afterwards because I didn't mask so much. So what that actually looked like in a practical sense is that Pretty much the whole time I wore my noise cancelling headphones. I actually wore my sunflower lanyard. And when I ordered from the lovely lady at Starbucks, I kept my headphones on. It, it took me a little while to get my order out. I didn't try and make myself appear more socially adept than I was feeling at the time. So I didn't put the charm on. Essentially what it meant is that instead of having to rest for uh you know several hours when we got home I rested for one hour and then I was okay gosh so a huge difference isn't it 
yeah, it makes a massive difference. That's interesting, the um, phrase you use there, the social charm. Would you mind giving me an example? Uh, I work in Starbucks and I say in the Australian accent, hey, what's your order? Although that sounded American. Do you feel comfortable to, to respond to me how you would prefer to respond in your most comfortable state? At this time, because I was having a very low spoons day, like it took, it just took me a little bit longer, basically. Yeah. And what was really lovely is because this Starbucks, they hadn't received any training from the sunflowers or from us, but she just saw the lanyard. And I think that's enough for some people to go, okay, this person's a little bit different. So that was awesome. And she, she was very kind patient understanding so it's a really pleasant experience and so I said I want this and she didn't hear me because my headphones were on so I took them off a little bit and then I repeated myself she was very patient with that and then I actually pointed at the cup size that I wanted because just the words weren't quite there at that time if I'm feeling really low spoons I might lose a little bit of my verbal capacity so I was like this size please and she was just like yeah cool you want the medium grande or like whatever it was because they have weird sizes there too so I was just like a little bit overwhelmed with like the metric system so she she offered you the patience and kindness and understanding of what the sunflower is about yeah absolutely you are listening to the sunflower conversations with Chantal to learn more about the sunflower visit our website details are in the show notes just wanted to go back to you mentioned your weighted blanket and can you explain what a weighted blanket is and, and why that offers you comfort yeah so uh it's it's just a blanket with little glass beads sewing into it and it gives a deep pressure and it's like getting a hug mm-hmm. and um a, a lot of people with autism such as myself like that deep pressure so we might not necessarily like a light hug but we do sometimes not everybody but myself like a big tight hug it's a very grounding thing it's very nice are there any other differences that you can recall how you interact with the world is different to maybe your peers who are neurotypical mum always used to say I was away with the fairies essentially you know from a young age I've always been content by myself drawing daydreaming things like that and to this day I still love taking myself out on cute dates and you know I'll I'll go to a nice cafe and I'll sit down and I'll draw and I'll listen to my music I just look a little bit different not a lot different but a little bit different to what people might expect in in that I might choose to wear my lanyard in that environment I might have stim toy with me or I like very cute and fluffy things to help center myself also I'm holding up a little monkey if you're listening to on the podcast little toy monkey you know and I'm I might choose to keep my headphones on in environments where people might not expect one to wear headphones such as the arcade the other day I went to the arcade I kept them on it's very loud in there you know, it's just slight differences. And, and if people were understanding that just let me get on with it, most of the time they do. Another difference is like I absolutely adore people. I'm, I'm very um, empathetic and I'm, I'm very social, but it takes a lot out of me. So generally I'll only plan one or two big social activities or adventures out into the world a week because I need time to recharge my social battery or my spoons like a combination of these two things means like I'm pretty selective with who I form close bonds with but the friends that I do have are quality because they understand me and 
um, the fact that I have sort of limited social energy. You have spoken about um, your stim toys. What is stimming and how does a stim toy help you? Stimming stimming will look different for absolutely everybody. Um, Again, you know, everybody on the autism spectrum is totally different. And that's what's wonderful about us. But so stimming can be a variety of things. For me, I like to sing little songs to myself. Um, <laughs> I like to have something to fidget with. You know, sometimes I like to dance. Basically, you know, just a moving and expressing of the body, which I actually think is a very helpful, helpful and healthy thing for people to do, generally speaking. Yeah. It's just that people on the autism spectrum such as myself maybe might be doing that in a time where it might be unexpected yeah it's everyone around you's job to socially accept that isn't it because there's not anything wrong you're not committing a crime or hurting anyone and it's it's about society just adjusting what they think is the norm which is not the norm it's their norm and somebody else's norm is their norm and that's where we all need to get to isn't it There's uh, actually uh, a theory called the double empathy theory, which I haven't quite committed to memory, but maybe one of you two know it. Um, (laughs) I can see that you don't. Essentially what it is is that when a neurodivergent person, such as a person with autism and a neurotypical person are having a conversation, the onus is usually put on the neurodivergent person to meet the expectations of the conversation from a place of societal norms. So, for example, I might find it really easy to talk to another person with autism about our joint special interest because we're coming from the same place, but I might find it really difficult at times to speak to someone neurotypical about small talk and the weather And what the double empathy problem looks at is that it's about both parties meeting in the middle and having, you know, a mutual respect and connection that way and understanding how everyone's communicating. So it's the the meeting together of mutual, what was it, respect and communication methods? And that's fair. I think that sounds fair, don't you, Sandy? (laughs) I do, definitely. (laughs) Meeting in the middle. (laughs) Uh, So, um... What difference is understanding yourself more made to your working environment and stress levels? I guess a greater self-awareness and also being around other neurodivergent people in the team who are really great at advocating for themselves has set a really great example for me to be more at ease with asking for certain accommodations. I, I still get nervous and I feel guilt and shame about asking for these things, but, you know, it's a, it's a, we're all a work in progress, right? So, you know, for example, one thing I'm getting more comfortable with asking for is that I need people to sometimes repeat things or to write things down for me, for me to process them in the best possible way and for me to do my best work. I think at the beginning, before we started the recording, you asked a question about something you weren't clear about. And you, you said that is that's actually quite an accomplishment for you to do that because asking somebody to repeat or explain is something that you find difficult. You sat on the floor at a team meeting. Are there other things like that, like physically, that your employer 
does which helps to support you and your colleagues who are autistic? Yeah, so we have an inclusion statement that we read at the start of all of our important meetings. And basically what it boils down to is we all say, you do you, boo. We encourage everyone to do what they need to do to feel comfortable in the meeting so you know for me that might look like right now I've been playing with this slinky the whole time um, and I don't have to be afraid to hide that I usually have a drink with me basically feeling more comfortable to unmask because I know that I'm working in an environment that has a culture of inclusion. All employers need this don't they they need to be like this Um, because then you get the best out of your employees. That's right. And people can be their authentic selves, which I think is fantastic and supported in the ways that they need to be supported. Can you please share with me about your role at Aspect? My role at Aspect is actually I have two at the moment, but my main role concerning today is uh, Sunflowers in Sydney ambassador. What I get to do and I feel so lucky for is that I get to spread the word about the hidden disability sunflower lanyard here in Australia, especially in Sydney. Um, And what we do is we work with key uh, cultural and sporting organisations to introduce the lanyard and also provide staff training and resources to those places. And it's just um, absolutely wonderful to see all of these major places jumping on board. I'm a visual artist myself, actually, in my spare time. And some of the clients that we work with are the MCA, which is Museum of Contemporary Art and the Art Gallery of New South Wales. So, and also a bunch of museums. We've got the Maritime Museum on board, the Australian Museum powerhouse museum so these are all key if you're listening from the uk these are all key players in the um sydney arts and cultural scene so it's really just delightful to see some major institutions coming on and um supporting this program because why i love it is that i think the sunflower lanyard is a great springboard for conversations about inclusion in general and a really great conversation starter. So I'm just, I'm so pleased to get to chat to all these different people about how they can make their environments more inclusive for people with hidden disabilities. It's a real honour. Yeah, well, you're a wonderful sunflower advocate and the job that you and the team are doing in Sydney has um, spilled over across Australia, which is great. Do you have any advice for someone who's finding their work set up difficult because it doesn't support their needs the advocate in myself would be negotiate first and then if that doesn't work go where you value you know it's a bit Mm. cutthroat maybe but like the the world is wisening up to how valuable um neurodivergence is and how how much people like myself and autistic people have to contribute to the workplace so if you're just hitting obstacle after obstacle and you've you've tried to negotiate then you know have a look around (laughs) sounds like very good advice to me Beck. employers under the disability rights act have to make uh, they called reasonable adjustments for their employees is it the same in australia yeah i believe so unfortunately I don't think that always stops the stigma that can be present. I've been in a workplace where I guess those supports were brought in or preliminary discussions of that. I just felt that it was too much hard work for both parties involved 
um, to really keep pressing on with this. And essentially it put me in the position where I was um, advocating for myself, but also all other people with hidden disabilities in the sense that I was educating them about what ADHD was and they had never really heard about it before. And I was going through real fundamental basic things, um, which it's just um, not a great position to be at as somebody that's coming from a somewhat marginalised position, you know. I sort of said, you know, well, it helps if you write things down for me. Um, and they were just like, no, just be better. Oh, dear. <laughs> I it like that, but that was, that was the yeah. vibe. Right? Still for lining. Yeah. <laughs> it's when I left that place, I gave the CEO some words of wisdom. I just sort of said, you know, neurodivergence is a real asset. I am, I'm an excellent problem solver. I come up with great new ideas. You know, I have a lot of energy to offer. Please consider the well-being of your staff. Make sure that they take their breaks. You know, you you have a really talented team here. And so I would sort of have this speech yep. <laughs> um, prepared. And I think it kind of fell on deaf ears. But what I think is wonderful is if I look at the story of my life so far, is the fact that I was so passionate and brave enough to speak to an older man by myself, nobody else in the room, and, and advocate. It now has just perfectly fallen in line that now this is what I actually get paid to do for a job is to advocate. You know, everything kind of worked out in the end, and I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Remarkable Tech released a fact that um, autistic people can be 140% more productive than the average worker if they've given the right role. So... It's not just about um, acceptance. It's actually a smart business decision. That kind of brings us to a close, Beck, but I think that your closing sentiments there are exactly right. And now you're in a position to support so many more people in Australia that have autism, are autistic, to have a good employment you know, we're working because we have to in many cases, but it can be enjoyable. You know, it can be a good place to be. And I think what you're doing is fantastic. I can't thank you enough for sharing your story with us. Really enjoyed it. And I, I feel that you've articulated the different traits that you have really, really well. And it's been super informative. So thank you. And uh, all the best with your advocating. If you'd like to share your sunflower story or conversation, please email conversations at hiddendisabilitystore.com. Find out more about us or listen to this recording again by checking out our insights page at hiddendisabilitystore.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn. Please help, have patience and show kindness to others, and join us again soon. Making the invisible visible with the hidden disability sunflower.